You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Good, everybody. This is the SB Nation NFL show. This is the look ahead with me, myself, Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation and RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys. What's up, RJ? Not a lot, Stats. I'm very excited to be here. It is a fantastic day. Uh, great day to pay Dak Prescott. Great day to be with your friends. Uh, so I'm glad that I'm with mine. I'm so excited to talk about this. Yeah, we were going a little behind the curtain here. We actually taped today's episode yesterday, but when circumstances dictate, we must change course. Carson Wentz is not going to be on the Philadelphia Eagles next year. According to Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen, they have reached an agreement to trade Carson Wentz to the Indianapolis Colts for a 2021 third-round draft pick, which is number 85 overall, and a conditional 2022 second-round pick that could turn into a first rounder. Now there's plenty to dive into in this scenario, but let's go to Philadelphia first. And we are very, very happy to be joined with Brandon Lee Gowton. Worlds are colliding for me. My Tuesday host is here. My Thursday host is here. What is up BLG? How are you feeling right now? Guys, I'm honored to be here on the look ahead, a very fine podcast here in the SB Nation NFL show. Obviously, you know, RJ likes to talk about how Monday Football Monday is the best, but he really cites the oddcast the most, uh, I think more than any other episode when he's on. So so I think he's really excited to have me here too. Get your win out of the way, BLG, because we got a lot of L's uh, to hand out right here. All right, then, then do it. Give me some. Well, um, so here's where I want to start. I actually think I'm impressed that Howie Roseman got anything, especially a conditional first round pick. Um, I think that it is impressive that, you know, he was able to do this in a, in a way where it was extremely obvious that Carson Wentz wanted to go to Indianapolis. I I find the fact that he was not leveraged against completely to be impressive on his account. I know you aren't the fondest person of Howie Roseman because I do listen to the oddcast and all of our fantastic productions here on the SB nation NFL show. So that is the, the kudos I will throw out, but altogether, and not that this is breaking news today or anything, today is just kind of the highlighting point of it, a massive L for the Philadelphia Eagles as a franchise, the Carson Wentz era, um, the, the trade up to get him five years ago, the fact that it blew up the way it did. And I would honestly say that while I just gave Howie Roseman some kudos, I would put a lot of the blame for this on his shoulders, obviously in the way he's handled Wentz, his own, a lot of this, most of this is Carson's fault, but drafting Jalen Hurts was the, the cracking open of the door that has now been blown open all the way to the Midwest. Yeah, there's a lot there to unpack. I think uh, in the short term, this is a good deal for the Eagles. Like if you look at it just through the lens of the situation that they were in, the inevitability that Carson Wentz wanted out, he didn't want to be back and you were going to trade him. I think this is a reasonable return. I didn't think that they were going to get a pick 
that could be a first rounder. And looking at the conditions here, like seeing that Wentz, you know, plays 75% of the Colts snaps in 2021, 20, uh, like that's reasonably attainable. Or if it's 70% and the Colts make the playoffs again, which seems like a reasonable bet. So there's a decent chance they actually do get like a real first round pick out of this deal. Um, so that's better than I could have expected. But you're right. When you talk about the long term, in terms of this guy was supposed to be the Eagles' savior. I mean, they traded up a bunch of picks to get him at number two in 2016. They gave him a record-breaking deal, I think, in terms of guaranteed money, or at least up near there at the time, $128 million contract extension during the 2019 offseason. I mean, this is an organizational failure <laughs> at, at the bottom. That's like the bottom line. They they had the quarterback and they they ruined it. They're trading him now. And I, again, I think it's reasonable for the Eagles to move on from the point of where they're in because I don't think you look at the situation in Philadelphia right now and you have a high confidence level of Carson Wentz being fixed. I mean, especially if he doesn't want to be there. But even if he did, I just don't think we've seen enough from Carson Wentz in terms of the mental makeup and coachability to really feel good about you were going to keep him in Philly and you were going to be the team to turn him around. I don't know that I necessarily agree that it's a massive failure for the Eagles. They still got a Super Bowl out of the time Carson Wentz was on the team. Now, obviously, he didn't win the Super Bowl because he was hurt, but he's part of the reason they got there. If I told you the night they drafted Carson Wentz that by the time he leaves the Eagles, you will have a Super Bowl trophy in your trophy case, you would have taken that, right? Sure, but obviously, you know, you have to look at opportunity cost here. And, you know, when the opportunity cost is like, a franchise quarterback that you know should be helping you contend for multiple championships and not just one you know that's that has to be accounted for and I get your point yeah it's not a total disaster I, I would say Carson Wentz leaves a complicated legacy behind because he undoubtedly left that Eagles team in great position to get the number one seed that year uh, before or after he got hurt uh, they only really had to beat like the Giants and then I think the Raiders to clinch the number one seed uh, after Carson was gone. Obviously, Foles finished off the Rams game uh, where Carson got hurt as well. So, yeah, there's, there's been success here. It's not like only a failure. But I think when you're like looking at it in its totality, I mean, again, you had the quarterback here and you ultimately didn't build around him properly in the long term. And I think that's a big concern moving forward it's like now how do you have confidence in this organization to build around a quarterback the right way in the long term I would say stats that I used to think that the Eagles won the Super Bowl in the best way possible like I'm sure when BLG looks back on on that game on Super Bowl 52 it's awesome right like the GOAT had one of his finest hours and lost to your team like that's a really cool kind of thing to hang your hat on but he and I have talked about this before in different podcasts the aftermath of it is honestly like the worst way to ever win the Super Bowl in that it isolates all sorts of people it upsets a lot of people there, there's all sorts of discourse and so I think that a lot of that is Carson's fault but a lot of it is honestly the fault of the situation and and it was it was awkward from the jump that the Eagles won the Super Bowl without him and he was this anointed prince and whatnot and I think if if this whole situation happened with any other NFL franchise it would honestly maybe not have gotten to this point but the fact that Philly was so starved for a Super Bowl and that Carson was the guy who was supposed to do it it was it was this constant you know and, and BLG can vouch for this you know trying to appease him trying to make him feel like he was responsible trying to make him feel like he should have the power because he really was 
was the center of it all and, and to make him feel better about the fact that he wasn't technically a part of it. And and that happened because of, of the city, the passion that is associated with this team. And so it, it was awkward. It was unfortunate. I mean, you're right, Stats, that a Super Bowl came out of it. But but again, I do think that there are we're talking about a second and third round pick that were still acquired here, like in spite of the mess that we just un, unpacked. And that is impressive in and of itself, which also speaks to the value of any quarterback, even Carson Wentz. Uh, yeah, I mean, just <laughs> this, this, I'm still gathering my thoughts on all this because it's it's so funny. You know, obviously we saw this was going to happen um, two weeks ago, but it's just it's so crazy because on one hand this was inevitable and we knew it's coming, but it's just again just looking back at how this was like supposed to happen in our heads like it was not supposed to reach this point you know even going back to last year you know they draft Jalen Hurts I don't think the Eagles saw this coming you know you can you can say like oh they knew you know they didn't they knew they were losing faith in Carson Wentz and maybe that's true to like some extent but there's no way they envisioned it happening like this because I mean the Eagles are taking the biggest dead cap hit in NFL history by like a significant margin too, by getting rid of him. Like that's pretty crazy to be, to be reaching this point. Um, and I guess the way, you know, I've been looking at it uh, and I, I think we talked about it on the podcast with stats is that the Eagles really weren't in a position here to bring Carson Wentz back for one year. I think if like everything and it was like perfect in a perfect world, that's what the Eagles realistically could have done. They would have just brought him back for like maybe one more year and could have seen if it, would work out but that wasn't the realistic situation because if the eagles kept carson wentz on the roster past the third day of the 2021 league year 15 million dollars of his 2022 salary would become guaranteed so it's basically like they had to choose between either zero more years of carson wentz or two and i just don't see how you could pick two when he was like literally the worst starting quarterback in the nfl last year and i don't think carson wentz is going to be as bad as he was last year you know for the rest of his career i don't think that's a realistic expectation i don't think carson wentz's biggest haters could really say that that's what's definitely going to happen moving forward i think the problem is that more realistically he's going to kind of be in that maybe at best like top 12 top 10 maybe top 15 kind of range and i don't really know what that necessarily gets you um, in a league that we, we keep talking about how it seems to be dominated by the elites at the top. And if you don't have that guy, like a Patrick Mahomes, you're kind of churning your roster and trying to find one. And that in part is why we're going to be such a, or going to be seeing such a big uh, quarterback movement this off season. Uh, so it's kind of an interesting, it's going to be very, very, very interesting to see how Carson Wentz does in Indy. I think the I point think, you meant, sorry, stats, but I think the point you mentioned, VLG, about how it's zero or two years for Carson Wentz, that further highlights the great job that Howie Roseman did here because this this trade happened and the Eagles kept the sixth overall pick. Like, oh, with all of this information known, and that that's a, I know you hate him, um, and that's fine, and I enjoy it, but that's a really impressive, again, with, with all of the obviousness, the, the Eagles had absolutely no leverage in this situation, and he still managed to hold on to that. If you're in a boat, right, and the boat's filling up with water, you could sit there and talk about how you did a terrible job by allowing the boat to, to get filled with water, or you could start bailing and try and pull yourself out of this thing. And that's exactly what I think Howie Roseman and the Eagles have done. Yes, like you said, BOG, they're taking on a massive cap hit, but they already have a potential replacement quarterback on the roster, possibly. They have the sixth overall pick. They're going to get an extra third this year, and I think, like you guys have both said, I think that that conditional seconds going to end up being a first round pick it's like yeah the eagles were not in an ideal situation but i have a hard time coming up with a more ideal solution from the point they were in i think they did about as good as you can do 
but they also shot a hole in the boat. <laughs> That's part of the problem. Like it's, it's not like the boat was just taking on water by accident. Like they created the hole that started right. to sink the boat. Once uh, the hole is there, what do you do? Well, that's the thing. Yeah, I agree. You have to make the most of it at that point, but you can't ignore how, especially when we're talking about, once again, this team's outlook moving forward. Like, how do you have confidence in this team to draft a quarterback at number six, which we don't know for sure that they'll do or if they'll trade up now that they have some extra ammo uh, to build, or even if it's Jalen Hurts, to build around him? Like, how can you have the confidence that they're going to get it right? Because they didn't get it right with Carson Wentz ultimately. Like, I think Carson deserves a lot of blame for how things went wrong but i also think the organization failed in many respects to support him with the best talent they could have i mean you look at jj arthago whiteside over dk metcalf jj arthago whiteside is a bust you might not even know who that is <laughs> um uh you know you look at jalen rager over justin jefferson who looks like he could be a freaking future hall of famer this year like there have been massive mistakes made especially at the wide receiver position specifically and then just as a whole kind of uh, surrounding Carson Wentz with the adequate uh, like talent and then, you know, even some of the coaching hires and stuff. So uh, it's just been like, cause you look back at last year and how the Eagles, they forced Rich Gangarello on Doug Peterson. And they, they brought in like, instead of a real offensive coordinator, like this cadre of like quasi offensive coordinators. And it created this weird power structure. So the point uh, was what I'm trying to say out of all this is like, it's not as simple as the Eagles trade Carson Wentz and all of their problems are solved. Like, no, there's still many problems here. And there's still a lot of reason to have skepticism about this organization. I think both things can be true. And I think that what Stats and I are saying, and I'm bummed to be saying it, is while the Eagles shot the hole, they didn't shoot the hole. The Eagles like ripped the boat in half. And and that's that sucks and that's stupid and that's self-induced. But the ingenuity to get out of it is impressive. Especially, you know, everybody laughed and roasted the Eagles for for the report that they wanted a Matthew Stafford trade. Where I would say they got that is if I'm any arbitrary NFL team and I'm going to acquire a first round pick like the Detroit Lions did in the Matthew Stafford trade. I would not want a first round pick this year. We've all talked about in various capacities about how this draft is the most unknown quantity in a number of years. And so if I'm the Eagles, especially, you know, I know that this draft is quarterback rich, but if I want to see what Jalen Hurts has, I would rather have two first round picks in 2022 so I can move up again if I want to, to get whoever the case may be, whatever. I mean, again, we can kick that can down the road, but I, I think that the net gain in almost every way is is really 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 palatable for the eagles um you know it really depends on what they do right to to address the quarterback position moving forward because you know we don't know if jalen hurts is the answer i think he showed some promising signs at the end of last season but um i like you look at his bad throw percentage from pro, pro football reference and it like led the nfl he wasn't among qualified passers but if he was it would be like the worst by margin same thing with his on target throws or like the lowest by margin uh, under like drew lock is the very worst so you know there's a lot of concern here still uh we don't know if he's the guy and then again if you're drafting that guy at number six which might not even be good enough because you know you're looking at how the draft is shaping up i think it's very possible that you know at least two probably maybe even three or even four quarterbacks could go off the board at six so they might have to trade up for their guy and you know then that's less uh, ammo they have to kind of build around that player so there's still a lot to to solve here is my point like, there's a lot to figure out um they have the tools potentially to maybe get this thing right you know pointed back in the right direction especially if they can identify that right quarterback um 
But it's, it's, it's interesting, though. I would almost rather just stick, if we're talking about preference, I would almost rather just stick with Jalen Hurts for a year because if he sinks, then you get it, potentially get a high pick next year and you can kind of just hopefully figure things out then and get your long-term quarterback then as opposed to forcing it this year. But if there's a guy you love early in this year's draft, then you can't pass on him. Like If you, if you, if you love him, if you think he's the guy, if you identify him, um, I don't think it's an ideal time to be adding a rookie quarterback in this environment because I don't think he's going to thrive here, especially in his first year. Uh, but uh, they have to think about it. There is a lot of dominoes that have yet to fall with the Eagles, and and these quarterback dominoes that we have talked about for so long are now beginning to fall into place. BLG, thank you very much for the time. Go read everything you want to know about this Eagles situation on bleedinggreennation.com. Thanks for hopping in with us. Absolutely. All right, RJ, now let's look at this from the Colts' side of things. We have talked about the Colts before we had to re-record this episode. We mentioned the Colts as a potential powerhouse if they can acquire a quarterback and use some of their cap space to sign some free agent wide receivers. You pointed out that they are one of the best quarterback destinations of any team in the league. Well, now they have their quarterback. What do you think of the move from their perspective? So I know that we both agree that the Eagles did a fantastic job here. And I think that when you say that out loud, that means that the Colts kind of caved or bit or whatever. I think this is a relatively low cost, you know, expense for the Colts as well, because there's, there's no doubt that there is elite quarterback play in Carson Wentz's history. And there's no doubt that it has been heavily associated with Frank Reich. We talked about how the Colts, right to your point, you just said it. Well, I guess to my point, really to credit me, uh, <laughs> we're, we're the most quarterback friendly situation in the NFL. They are also the most Carson Wentz friendly situation in the NFL. That is the middle of the Venn diagram here. And so I think it makes sense. And so if you're talking about the highest, you know, acquisition cost at acquiring Carson Wentz here is a 2022 first round pick. And you are probably going to be a playoff team in each of those two seasons. If this goes that way, I mean, who cares? You know what I mean? Like you're, you're talking about a, a pick in the 20 late twenties, maybe even early thirties next year. And so that's a totally fine situation for me. If you are the Indianapolis Colts, I think though, to the point we already kind of said or re-recorded, I don't know what's lost now in history, but you you have to surround him now. We, we just heard from BLG. You have to learn from the transgressions of the Philadelphia Eagles. You have to go get, whether it's Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, whatever the case may be, you have to surround Carson Wentz and make sure that he can excel. I do also think a, a low level of importance to this whole trade, and I know this was talked about, but is that Carson Wentz is no longer in an extremely high-profile sports city. He is safely in the Midwest. You know, it's it's Indianapolis. The focus is on Hoosiers and all that nonsense, but he's, he's not going to be the subject of the same heated sports talk radio, which is important for his psyche. Yeah, I think that the stars are kind of aligning for him. Everything is good right now. If he fails, I feel like it's on him. He's going to the Colts. He's going back with Frank Reich, who was, of course, the Eagles offensive coordinator in 2016 and 2017. According to ESPN Stats and Info, in their last season together, Wentz led the league in total QBR at 78 and a half, and he threw an Eagles franchise record 33 passing touchdowns. So he's got a coach that he can supposedly work with. He's going to have a team with a great offensive line, which the Colts already have. And if they spend money in free agency, which I think they will, not to mention whatever else they do in the draft, like all the boxes are checked for Carson Wentz to have success in Indianapolis. If he can't do it here, he can't do it anywhere. But I love the move from the Colts perspective. 
I do want to say stats because it's my job to make everything about the Dallas Cowboys. Two things here. Um, the 2016 quarterbacks that Dak has been most compared to have obviously been Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. Within that two points, number one, Dak is very clearly the best. I think he has been for some time now. I don't think anybody's disputing that. Number two, a fun fact about it all. All three of them, at least for some point in their careers, ended up wearing blue and white. Pretty funny how that all worked out. Uh, but secondly, the most important, <laughs> you know, uh, thing to take away from this is the Eagles signed Carson Wentz to a massive contract extension two years ago. And the same is true for Jared Goff and the Rams. And they just got a, at worst, second and third round pick out of it, which is a flagrant failure by the Dallas Cowboys to not sign Dak Prescott. And, and we've already, we talked about this on this episode that we're kind of adding to re-recording, whatever. Do not be afraid to make the deals. If you are a creative enough front office, you can get out of, is not the right way to put it, but for lack of a better term, you can get out of anything. You can rework things. Yeah. You've got to absorb, you know, you know, cap space and dead money or whatever the case may be, but you can get out of it. You can, the, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Carson Wentz era was kind of an embodiment of that idea. They very quickly got out of the mess that Chip Kelly put them in. And so the fact that, and, and the last thing is Dak Prescott could have been signed to the same market value that Jared Goff and Carson Wentz got and the Cowboys blew that and they should be destroyed for it. Yeah. I mean that it's a whole separate situation, but you're hundred percent right. I agree with absolutely everything you're saying. Like, Good teams can find a way out if they make mistakes. That doesn't mean you shouldn't swing for the fences. It shouldn't doesn't mean you shouldn't make big moves. That that's the wrong mindset to be in. You're never going to succeed if you're always living in your fears, as Mike Tomlin likes to say. Um, last thing on this, you are obviously someone that covers the Dallas Cowboys. This is a trade that involves a team in your division, and I always like to look at moves from the perspective of other teams in the division. So you're a cowboy. You cover the Cowboys. Are you? happy that Carson Wentz is no longer on the Eagles or are you sad? It's interesting. I was actually in the middle of writing something for blogging the boys when this news broke ESPN um, field Yates wrote about Adam Schefter's over under how he said that, you know, he believed over 18 starters would be different in week one next season. And he, he projected the starting quarterback for every team in 2021. I haven't even looked at the, who he has for the 49ers. Um, if you want, I can look for you stats. Yeah. I'm not I, listening to you right now. I'm just going to um, check that. Right well, now. in fact, I've looked, he has um, Jimmy Garoppolo. So I'm sorry to, to report that, but um, so the four starting quarterbacks for the NFC East, and, and we're talking about a hypothetical world here where over half of the NFL is changing starters from week one last year. We're talking about the worst division in the NFL last year, which would theoretically yield a lot of change. We now know for show sure, that one of them is going to be different in Carson Wentz, but field Yates still has Daniel Jones starting at quarterback for the New York giants. Very good news for the NFC East. He does have Dak Prescott starting at quarterback for the Cowboys. And interestingly enough, he has Ryan Fitzpatrick for the Washington football team. That would be fun, totally different angle, but whatever the case may be still, 50% of it the same in terms of week one last year. And there are a lot of Cowboys fans who are, you know, quick and, you know, uh, funny. And so it's, oh, man, there goes two easy wins a season. There is elite quarterback play somewhere buried within Carson Wentz. I don't know if Frank Wright can unearth it, but that he always did represent this. Okay. There's a 90% chance he's going to be fairly bad, but he could also destroy you. He could kill you. And so in games that mattered games of consequence where Dak Prescott started at quarterback for the Cowboys, Carson Wentz went two and four. So generally, you know, not somebody that, that really hurt them. He did have two more wins. Uh, one was an inconsequential game in week 17 of 2016. And the other was this past season on Sunday night football when Ben DiNucci started. And so, um, I mean, I I'm, I'm bummed because I do think that the Eagles, 
this wasn't a mess, you know, and I used to, I used to think going back to the Chip Kelly thing, like, oh, this is going to set this franchise back for a decade. And so I'm bummed about that, that, that this franchise is not completely set back by this. And I do think that the Eagles have a path, however easily attainable it is, is obviously up for debate, but a path to acquire, you know, a legitimate quarterback, but to make it about the Cowboys again, what I get paid to do, um, if, if the Cowboys don't sign Dak Prescott, it's one level of failure, but assuming they do, which I think we both probably lean there, um, and they don't handily win the NFC East this season, that is a galactic failure. And then we're talking about Mike McCarthy because you now have a runt of the litter in, in the Philadelphia Eagles. Daniel Jones is really bad. And Washington, you, you by far, even if we assume Jalen Hurts is the starter for Philly next season, I mean, the, the gap between Dak Prescott and the rest of the division, even if it is the goat of goats, Ryan Fitzpatrick, is so, it's, it is arguably the largest gap of, of one quarterback in the field in any division in the NFL, would you say? Like, where is the, like, that's, no, not to pat myself on the back. I think that's a great question. But what other division <laughs> has has the, the best quarterback in its division so far away from the other three? No, I totally agree. Again, I hate to keep saying it, but you're right. Dak is miles ahead of those other guys. The Cowboys should take advantage of this situation. You know, it's going to be a situation where maybe they can not only put some distance between themselves and the NFC East, but also themselves and the rest of the NFC they got to get their ducks in a row. But I always like to look at the other teams, the response from the division rivals when a move is made, because I think that tells you a lot. And the Eagles are on a path now to potentially being better. So if I rooted for anybody else in the NFC East, I would be a little bit bummed that they found their way out of this hole because, you know, you always want to root for your division rivals to stink. You want them to be miserable and to completely fail on every level. I agree with you. Um, I'm also... In, in, a, in a similar kind of context here, and I'm sure you have felt this way once upon a time. I know you said in our episode that we are now adding to that even if Russell Wilson ended up on the 49ers, I could never root for him. I'm stats. I hate Russell Wilson. Accurate. But um, it is nice when players who have terrorized you in the division end up somewhere else and you suddenly have a freedom to root for them. And I really like Carson Wentz as a person. And I, I think, um, you know, he, he does, he does things the right way off of the field. And I know he's, he's had a bit of an ego trip on the field. I, I'm hopeful that this has been a humbling process for him. I'm hopeful that he can obviously, you know, find some level of success from, with Frank Reich. I'm a big Frank Reich fan. And, and I think we're both big fans of the Colts. And so, I'm, I get to root for Carson Wentz now, right? Like I, I have loved Kirk Cousins for a long time. So when he left Washington, it was awesome. And so maybe that was why I was kind of willing him to the Colts myself. But um, it is nice to be able to, to enjoy Carson Wentz. I hope he's awesome. I really do. It would be a great story. Do you think he's eligible for comeback player of the year? Because that's such a fluky award. I, I see. Yeah, they never define like, <laughs> do you just come back from being terrible or is it always come back from injury? Right. First, I think Nick Bosa is going to win that award personally. But oh, what does course. it say about Carson Wentz like that? You can play as badly as he played last year and yet you still get traded for, you know, you go into a great situation now in Indianapolis and you get a starting job handed to you like he was hideously bad last year and all we hear about is the nfl is a meritocracy it's all about how you play on the field well you can't get much worse than carson was in 2020 and yet i mean he's this Colts starting quarterback now that's it like there was i don't know how humbling this is going to be for him because what did he really learn even when i'm terrible somebody else wants me it reminds me of something the great Dave Damashek said on the Dave Damashek football program does, I think, a billion podcasts now. Uh, I used to love the DDFP, but he made a point once and, and would reiterate it that 
how many people are on Earth stats? Like seven billion in totality, right? Something like that. Eight billion, I think, but okay. Whatever. Let's let's be conservative. Let's say seven and a half billion. Let's say of seven and a half billion, there are not even thirty-two people who can do this job efficiently. Yeah, on, and on he a, wasn't on, one last year. I know, but but what it says is the the idea is is worth it, right? Like that's that's how desperate teams are for for one of the 20 or 16 or whatever you want to call it is that even if you have a modicum of hope that you can be that guy, the world is different for you. That yeah, I I mean I you're right obviously cuz clearly just look at what happened. Um one last tentacle of this that I want to get into and that is I'm stunned because I thought that the Bears were going to pay any price to get Carson Wentz. I really did. I thought Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace were desperate because their job security is clearly a hanging by a thread in Chicago. And I thought there was no way that they were going to let another team snatch Carson Wentz away from them. So now what, what do you do if you're the Bears? What happens now? Do you try and trade Nick Foles back to Philly? Like, where do you go from here? I honestly applaud the Bears for not getting desperate. And my dog is named Bear, so he's pumped. He's he's asleep right now, but uh, he's got a pumped face. He's so excited uh, he's asleep. <laughs> yeah. I think if you're the Bears, like, I, I think two is an interesting option, right? Like, I, I think, you know, th- there are other, op- like, there are other similar things to Carson Wentz that don't have the cash value associated with his contract, that don't have the negative ego, you know, arrogance, you know, label that he had. And, I mean, we're talking about how many teams are now different on our way to 18. We're at now four, right? Technically Um, at the very least. I mean, you know, you can get creative with others, but I mean, so there are still a number of options. And, and you talked about this uh, with, with BLG a few weeks ago, how Carson Wentz was, kind of not among the worst options of legitimately available dudes, right? Like you kind of said, would you rather have Wentz or so-and-so? And so I get that, but I, I do believe that the bears are, while they are on their last strike, that means that they have burned some strikes. And so I don't think that it would have looked great for a team that traded up to the second overall pick in 2017 to fix that by trading for another dude that was traded up for with the second overall pick just one year prior. I think that they, they, they kept calm. They kept cool. And I think that they're going to look at these other options and like Jimmy Garoppolo is the same, right? Like, I mean, you know, whatever, one of these guys is, is the same in a much lower acquisition cost. And so I think that that's the path they'll go down. I want to add one more thing stats before we leave. Um, I'm going to read you a list of names here very quickly. Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Paxton Lynch, Christian Hackenberg, Jacoby Brissett, Cody Kessler, Connor Cook, Dak Prescott, Cardale Jones, Kevin Hogan, Nate Sudfeld, Jake Rudock, Brandon Allen, Jeff Driscoll, and Brandon Dowdy. Do you know what this list is? Is that the quarterbacks the year Dak was drafted? That is the 2016 NFL draft class quarterbacks. The only one still on the team that drafted him is Dak Prescott. And he won't be for very much longer. That's crazy, though. Like, and, and I think we, we will look back on that draft and the first five picks as and let's the first uh, five picks were Goff, Wentz, Bosa uh, and Zeke and Ramsey. Three of the f- of the five have been traded, not even five years later. That's nuts. And, and two of them were like involving the same team in the Rams. That's nuts. Again, so I said, I keep telling Niner fans, do not get attached to these draft picks. And some of the guys like Jalen Ramsey, that's a home run pick. He's in, he's as good as you ever hoped he would be when you drafted him. But just sometimes stuff doesn't always work out. So like, take the swing, take the chance. Do not 
clutch these draft picks like they're, you know, winning lottery tickets. They're not all winners. Sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. And even sometimes when they are, you still move on from the guy. So just keep that in mind is all I'm saying. I said I had one last thing, but I now I actually have one last thing, Stats. Uh-huh. Um, is Hugh Jackson exonerated for not wanting Carson Wentz? Because remember, there was the like, oh, I didn't want Carson Wentz, blah, blah. I think this is a big day for Hugh Jackson. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> somebody wanted Carson Wentz, though. And clearly, Carson Wentz was better than anything the Browns had when Hugh Jackson was there. Sure. So I, I'm no, I'm not exonerating Hugh. Hugh thinks Hugh is great. Mike Silver thinks Hugh is great. Those are the only two, I think. <laughs> okay. Well, what a day. What a day, stats. I'm I'm a little disappointed because this was so predictable. You know what I mean? Like, I, I hesitate to be like, what a wild offseason, just because this was insanely predictable. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know. It, we, are, we are off to a good start. I'm excited about where this is going to head. Yeah, I mean, the new league year hasn't even started yet. And like you said, we've already got four quarterbacks with new in new, ta- in new places. So... It's going to be fun because the other thing, too, is once we know what the salary cap is and news came today that it's going to floor now is at one hundred and eighty million, which is about five million more than they had originally thought. We still don't know what the actual number is, but it's not going to get lower than one hundred and eighty million. So every team also just got five million more bucks to spend. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. Let's have fun. Let's let's have the fun. The fun is here. Let's have the fun. I'm having fun. Um, What a day. Pay deck. All right. Let's take a break. And when we come back. We had originally started talking about our most creative offseason. There were a couple different scenarios that we had kicked around, and there were two more that I asked you about. One was Dak Prescott, and there was one other situation involving the Philadelphia Eagles. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the SB Nation NFL show. We just spent the first half of the program breaking down the Carson Wentz to Indianapolis trade. And the original plan for this episode was that we were going to design the most interesting offseason. So originally, RJ, you and I went through and we planned out all these possible trades and moves that could be made. And a lot of it involves the Colts and Ben Roethlisberger, which was my grand plan. But obviously, none of that applies now. But a couple of things that I had planned that still do apply, I want to talk to you about. And the first is... The Philadelphia Eagles, oddly enough, because I had planned on them trading away Carson Wentz, so that doesn't really change anything. I think that they are going to take a quarterback at number six in the draft, and I had them taking Trey Lance. What do you think about that? I hate to admit how much I listen to the oddcast, but it's a fine, it's okay, all right? It's, you know, 
It's just the, get to your point. Anyway, um, I hadn't even considered the Eagles trading Jalen Hurts this offseason, who's somebody else that could fit. Like maybe Jalen is a Viking, right? Like that, you know, if, if we're kind of playing with the examples we've already worked out. Um, but I think that makes sense. And I think that the Eagles are certainly going to draft somebody in, in, in the first round. And I, Trey Lance is just, to me, like the narrative is I think you have to avoid it if, if you're the Eagles just just off the narrative alone because if you whiff there again it's it look it's a really bad look I mean it's it's a it's a historically bad look and and I actually think it will be unfair to small school prospects in that like they will get typecasted in that way at least by certain NFL teams that would see that's why it's interesting right North Dakota State again they're going back to that well they bring in Trey Lance Maybe they trade Jalen Hurts, which was BLG's idea from the oddcast. I I think that I could see it happening. You can't be afraid to make bold moves, right? Like you you can't not draft Derek Carr because you had David Carr. Like that doesn't that's not good process. Oh, by the way, stats. I don't know if you saw this, um, but Derek Carr has never been shy about his social media thoughts. Uh, he posted a photo of himself celebrating in the end zone in the home of the Jets on Wednesday. And so a lot of people are kind of wondering what that means. It was really ambiguous. There wasn't, you know, any real caption that uh, described, you know, it wasn't like looking forward to the 2021 season or can't wait to get back to this, you know, kind of that ambiguous general term. It was just the photo. I mean, of him and you could see the Jets, like the tarp behind the end zone in the back. So I don't know. That is odd. Uh, he's a weird guy, man. He's one of these people that claims he doesn't hear any of the criticism and then the doubters and then responds to every single criticism of himself in a very like angry and salty way. Like he claims to be above it, but he's right down in it with the rest of us. I agree with you. Okay. But Trey Lance, I see. I just, I don't know. I think Zach Wilson is, is the guy kind of rising right now, but he's like, going to be it, gone. You think so? Oh, that's right. I forgot about this. Um, man, dude, that would be it would be hilarious, honestly. I mean, we would we would get so much content out of that at Blog on the Boys, if I'm being honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> so I mean, I, I really want that to happen. I think it, it would be incredible television, but I, I do think it would be you're you're asking for that situation to blow up because it would. All right, last domino here that we haven't mentioned yet, and I specifically didn't do it because you would know better than me is Dak Prescott. I mean, he changes everything if he moves teams. Like, that is a major, major domino. He hasn't been signed yet. We don't know what the cap is. He's 16 games essentially away from hitting the open market, which is something franchise quarterbacks never do. What is happening there? Because I I wonder if you couldn't tempt Jerry Jones with an offer to allow him to save face a little bit. So you started mentioning this idea I think it was, I really don't know, but I think it was on the podcast. I know I heard you say it somewhere about Jerry Jones and the Cowboys saving face. I do think that the Cowboys have painted themselves into a bit of a corner, not just in the financial sense of this, but for example, I feel like if a year ago we had this conversation, I think that there are way more people who are on the fence, right? Like, I don't know, you know, Dak, blah, blah, the team sucked last year, blah, blah. But there was, you know, a narrative shift. I think a lot of it was the philosophy the Cowboys brought in, although it failed, obviously, last season. The drafting of CeeDee Lamb, you know, there was a lot of, of boost towards the, you know, team Dak narrative. And then he obviously played really well, you know, despite the fact that the defense was awful through the first four games and then he got hurt in week five. And so... My point is, I think that 
if it was say a 50 50 split last year, I think it's like 80 20 now. I think, I think team Dak pay Dak is much louder and, and is a much more popular idea. And so, you know, the general consensus, not just like the, you know, one take the general consensus is the Cowboys have screwed this up. The Cowboys have messed up. And, and if they pay him, which they should, and they should have last year and the year before, and which adds to the whole fuel here, if they pay him, they will look like they bent the knee. They let Dak win. They botched this. They suck. I mean, and so I think that that matters here and I hate that it does, but it's the Dallas Cowboys. And I think an important carrot. And I, uh, I did a YouTube video for this on the blog and the boys YouTube channel and played a clip from the oddcast actually, where BLG proposed Russell Wilson getting traded to the Cowboys. I think that that's an important carrot, not in that. I actually think Russell Wilson gets traded to the Cowboys, but if, if you're Jerry Jones, right. And you're looking at this situation, you say, well, how can I win? Right? Like, like how can I win in the court of public opinion? The only way you can win is to, undeniably improve from Dak Prescott and whoever is listening. Maybe you think, I don't know, Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr, or whoever is, you know, of the available, you know, signal callers here is an improvement, but the only one that gets a hundred out of a hundred seal of approvals that is seemingly available is Russell Wilson. And so Russell represents the get out of jail free card here, right? Like the, I am up against a wall to quote up uh, the great line from employee of the month circa 2006. Um, Russell's the only, only way that, that they can cash out without any blood on their hands, so to speak. And so I think that that I used to think, I know this is a long winded answer. And if it's not obvious, this isn't a subject that any of us at blog and the Wizard are passionate about, but um, I, I used to think it was impossible that, that Dak would not get a deal from the Cowboys. Like I only thought it was possible in the sense that like anything is possible, right? Like, you know, uh, an asteroid could land an inch away from your house and an alien could walk out and want to play dominoes with you, right? Like that's technically possible because anything is possible, but now it's like, it's actually possible, which is terrifying and scary and nerve wracking and really, really frustrating. And the only part of you and, and, and BLG's bold predictions that I disagree with, say the Cowboys do manage to pull off Russell Wilson. They are not. A lot of people say, well, just trade Dak to the CX. That's not happening. Dak Prescott is, is the only contractual control the Cowboys can have over Dak Prescott this year without getting him to sign a long term deal and meeting his demands is to place the franchise tag on him. And he's not going to let them do you know that just to trade them, you know, trade him, excuse me, you know, because that would be helping them. And to your point, he would say, why should I do this? You know, I'm 16 games away from true free agency. Just keep me and Russ. Let's see what happens if you're Dak Prescott. And then he gets to truly hit the open market next year, even if he sat out the whole season, which is ridiculous. But again, the only way that this happens is if Dak Prescott is truly set free on the open market, like Dobby the Elf, and goes wherever he wants. And that changes everything that we just talked about. Let's say the Cowboys, like Jerry's just frustrated, right? They could slap the non-exclusive franchise tag on him, and there would be, I would imagine there would be half the league that says, we'll give up two first-round picks for Dak Prescott, right? Like, they could have that in minutes, I would think. See, and... I hadn't even thought about that. Maybe you should work for blocking the boys stats because that's the only way you recoup some sense of true value, right? Because if, if you, and I think though he would make that difficult, right? You know, he, cause he knows, he knows the leverage he has here. If you let him walk at most, you're getting a third round compensatory pick next year, right? B- based on whatever deal he signs with whoever it is, I, that makes sense. But I, I think, the other, I think any team would call their bluff. 
you know, because especially if they traded for Russell Wilson, because they can't have, you know, the non-transitional tag va- or tag value on their books and Russell Wilson in this hypotheticals, $35 million cap hit. And so I think teams would just wait it out and they would have to release him ultimately. Wait, I don't understand what you're saying. What? So they, the Cowboys slapped the non-exclusive tag on him and then they can but, trade him wherever they want. Well, but he would have to sign the tag. You know what I mean? And so if you're Dak, why are you signing the tag? You know what I mean? Like, why, why would you sign, you know, why would you because, sign the tag to help him? Be, because he can sign the tag and then get a new deal with the, whatever team he lands on. Right. But his leverage is far different then because he, A, he's, he's got not, great leverage at that point. But his his leverage is not that he's current. He, he's currently holding his his current team under over the barrel. Right. Yes. That would not that would not be the same wherever he wound up. Also, he would have to not only risk, you know, everything again for the third year in a row after the risk sort of not backfired, but met its demise and him getting hurt last season. But he would have to risk it for the third year in a row in an offense that he would have to learn entirely with teammates that he would have to, you know, start over with in the second year of the pandemic. I mean, that's that's an irresponsible risk. And and again, if you're Dak, if I was Dak, I would say, I'm not going to sign this tag. Keep me and I'm whatever, because you're going to have to keep me on your books if you're going to tag me. And you can't keep me on your books and trade for Russell Wilson. It's just not going to happen because you have to get rid of me to be able to afford in this, again, hypothetical Russell Wilson. And so that's the leverage that Dak Prescott has. And the Cowboys can't move on from Dak Prescott without a Russell Wilson, so to speak. Or a Deshaun Watson. See, the Deshaun thing to me is impractical. I, I, the Russell thing makes sense. The, the Deshaun thing is just an enormous amount of capital. I think that the Russell element works too, in that the Seahawks are kind of ready to move on in some senses, right? Like they, they've already kind of not run their course together, but that's been going on for a while. Whereas the, the Texans and Deshaun are at the early parts of the, no, don't leave. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a different situation. And so I think, and I think other teams are going to overwhelm the Texans with, with draft offers that the Cowboys just simply can't match. Plus I think Russell wants to play for the Cowboys. I don't know that Deshaun wants to play for the Cowboys as much as he wants to play for anybody else. I, yeah, I, I think the Russell, I think Russell Wilson is more unhappy than people think. When you look at who he was, Cohawks guy, team first guy, rah, rah, sis, boom, bah, team, 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 team. For him, for the second straight off season to publicly be criticizing the team and now to be doing it more, his criticisms are becoming sharper and sharper. Now he's also using Brandon Marshall to get some stuff out there. Like, I think that he is, his level of dissatisfaction is somewhat closer to Deshaun Watson's than it is to just like, Hey, get me some more offensive linemen. Like, I think he's a lot more upset than people realize. That's fair. I also, I don't ever put stock into, well, you know, there's no state income tax in the state of Texas. Like I don't ever put any stock into these, you know, sort of tropes, but I do believe that if Russell Wilson is going to play for a non Seahawks team, it has to be for a magnet of a team from a brand perspective. He does not want to go play for the Minnesota Vikings. He does not want to go play for the Buffalo Bills. And I know these teams don't necessarily make sense. My point is he wants to go play for a team that is center stage. He wants to marry the danger talk, danger Russ, go Hawks brand with a big mega brand. There's no big mega brand bigger than the Dallas Cowboys. And, but we talk about saving face. Like if you're the Seahawks or if you're the Texans, you trade for Dak Prescott, you're doing okay. Even if you don't get a ton of other stuff back in return, like 
that can help you say, yeah, we traded Russell Wilson, but we got Dak Prescott back. Yeah, we had to give up Deshaun Watson. He didn't want to be here, but we got Dak Prescott back. You you get a top 10 quarterback in return. That's that's not a total loss. I agree. But see, I just there's no there's no path to Dak Prescott being traded by the Cowboys. And, and if they found a different quarterback, Russell Wilson or whoever, Dak would walk in free agency. That's that's what would happen. And so that would be fascinating because Dak would truly, truly, truly be on the open market. And I mean, where does he go? I mean, you know, Dak in Indianapolis would be amazing. Dak in New England would be really interesting. Dak in Seattle, if, if Russell Wilson is pried away, but that would have to be a, a free agent agreement. Dak in San Francisco would be really fascinating. I mean, there's a lot of places, but he would be a true open market free agent because there's he's just not going to agree to the terms to trade him away. I don't know about that. You're going to sit out a whole year after the last time we saw you on your field, the ankle, you know, your foot was pointed in the wrong direction. I don't know that he'd be willing to sit out all 16 games. I think he would because the market's going to be there. I mean, like, like think about it. His, if, if Dak Prescott were to, to take the tag value this year, it's approximately $38 million. Right. So, I mean, what's, what's he going to get next year? You know, at, even if, even if it's not overwhelming, I mean, he's going to make, 37 38 million dollars a year so the the value lost is not you know worth compromising your principles or whatever you want to call it i mean it's it's worth fighting for getting it sooner rather than later yeah well i mean look i'm all for players rights like i'm i'm a huge player guy especially in this sport get paid as much as you can get paid as frequently as you can get paid i just i don't know that he'd be willing to sit out but I hope whatever happens, he gets as much money as is humanly possible, whether it's from Dallas or from somebody else. Me too. I, I do think, or I, I hope at least it's going to be the Cowboys. And I still think that, um, but I definitely think it less than I used to, which is really troubling. And I, again, I think the Russell Wilson factor is important. Not that it's going to happen, but it represents like it's the grass, it's the greener grass, right? Like it's not, it's, it represents the idea that of spring hoping eternal, right? Um, <laughs> that, that, that it's possible, right? Like it, it represents that idea. Like, and I think, you know, this, this off season at the quarterback position is really kind of a prime example of this. Like we no longer live in a world where, you know, the Philip Rivers of the world play for teams for 15 years. And Ben, Ro- we're talking about Ben Roethlisberger leaving teams. And so like that, that, that is a real 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 data point and so you know you you want a franchise quarterback you can go get one you know it's it's very possible it's very doable and so i think you know gone i think gone are the days of like he's a insert team mascot here for life because nothing is guaranteed that way anymore yep and players are do not have the same loyalty towards teams anymore that they once had and i think a lot of teams kind of feel the same way about players frankly there's a lot of front offices that sort of view players as assets rather than you know getting so deeply invested into any one guy because they may have to move them if the right package came along and the cool thing about this offseason rj as we sort of wrap this episode up you know we just came up with a crazy interesting offseason plan and if we wanted to we could do a totally different one next week and it could be just as interesting i mean the the possibilities for what could happen this year i cannot wait until march 17th because once the new league year starts, the cap will be finalized. And then I think it's going to be like the Kentucky Derby. Boom. You're going to hear the starters pistol and everybody's going to fly out of the gates. And it's going to be a madhouse for like that whole week. It's going to be crazy when you start to hear about deals leaking out and who's going where and who is recruiting who. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it truly is um, in terms of crafting your like perfect or ideal offseason, a choose your own adventure. I never did that. Did you ever do those? Oh, yeah, they were great. 
I didn't do them, but I turned out all right. But um, anyway, oh. it's it's <laughs> it's that. And that's because again, like if you take one element of what we said, like the Kirk Cousins example, right? Like, and you just flip one little degree, the whole thing changes. There are this. Are you a Community fan? To so go back to to shows? No. Oh God, stats. Watch Community, please. It's on Netflix. You're missing out. I would see people what I'm working with here. Anyway, the last thing I'll say. There's an episode. It's an incredible episode of television where. Um, uh, the gang, so to speak, is all hanging out and a pizza shows up for delivery and nobody wants to go pick it up. So one guy picks up a dice because they're playing games and he says, okay, I'm going to roll this dice. One, two, three, four, five, six, whichever one of the dice it lands on, you have to go get the pizza. And so, you know, the really like um, in introspective character says you have just created six different timelines here. And the episode plays out all six of those different timelines. There are like 18 million timelines for the NFL offseason. It's fascinating. <laughs> Yeah, and like you said, change one thing. It's like the butterfly effect and everything else, the dominoes fall in a completely different direction and we're going to be here for all of it. So please stick with us. Subscribe if you haven't subscribed already. Rate, review. Once we get video going, which hopefully at some point will be coming, you'll be able to see the weird stuff RJ's doing right now to try and mess me up as I wrap this episode up. It did not work, so take that. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero. He's RJ Ochoa, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. All right.